Welcome to the We've Seen Enough podcast, where we look at the world through the prism of sports. Enjoy the eclectic mix of our personalities as we discuss, debate, and occasionally fight over issues large and small. So as we head to our respective corners, I'm Jim Boyle. And I'm Tom Trevisani. Let's get it on, Jimbo. All right, welcome to uh, Season 1, Episode 6. We got Mr. Trevisani back in the studio with us after a week delay because I think Mr. Trevisani sometimes a workaholic, and i got to try to get him to stop that as I'm a semi-retiree. But, Tommy, uh, welcome back to the studio. Uh, and I know that last week we were going to talk about your trip down to Foxborough to see Indy play the uh, Patriots. So what was your uh, – well, give us some of the impressions of what it was like. I mean, you got to see Justin, which is a great thing. Yeah, Jim, also, too, we – we stayed in, actually, we went down the night before we stayed in Rhode Island, and we actually stayed at the uh, team hotel. So that was interesting. It was funny. I was on the elevator, and I ran into the, oh, I'm having a brain fart, the, uh, the, the kid that played for the Patriots, the cornerback. Yeah. I don't know if I told you this. Um, uh, what do you want me to help you out? Yeah, please, please. I don't, my mind. Uh, uh, J- uh, Jones? No, no, the other one. They want to play for the Patriots. Oh, yeah, yeah, the big uh, Gilmore. Steve Gilmore, Gilmore. yeah, Steph Gilmore. So it was just funny. What a funny story. Um. I'm going down. I'm in the elevator. I go, hey, Steph. And he's like, oh, how you doing? And he, he, you know, from South Carolina, kind of had like that, that, that little like, you know, draw like in his voice. And I said, um, we just started talking. I said, good luck tomorrow. How's it feel to be back in Foxborough? And I just uh, said to him, uh, my son, you know, this is his second year. We did an internship last year. And I said, Justin. He goes, oh, yeah, I know Justin. So he seemed like a really good guy. And I just wished him luck. And we went out for dinner, and then the next day we went on the field. You know, I went to Foxborough. It's been about 20 years since I've been there, but oh, my God, over there. It's like going to just the traffic, everything. Please, like, I'd be better off watching it on TV, I'll tell you. It's just, to me, it's it's like going to work over there. They got all the state cops over there. No one's doing nothing. People are going in and out. It was just, it was a long day. Yeah, but you had fun. You got to see Jay Trev, right? I did. That was the key. I seen him on the field before the game, so it was nice. It was great. We met some of his, uh, the people he works for, and, you know, they said nice things about him, so it made me feel good. Game sucked, though, didn't it? Maybe the worst football game I've ever seen. I don't mean to use the word uh, suck, but it was terrible, if I recall. No, it was, it was, it was actually, it was embarrassing. They were 0 for 14 on third down. I swear to God, that it looked like a Papa Wana game at times. Well, that's because they've decided to, at least last week, Indy went with um, Erlinger from Texas, right? They did, they did. And uh, the coach got fired right after the game. Well, he, I even said, and he, they fired him on the Monday morning, and uh, I guess as you saw yesterday, they went back to Matt Ryan, which I think was probably the good move. I, You know, he can still, he's a little turnover prone, but, you know, he can throw the ball a little bit. Well, know? rumor has it from my sources uh, this morning was that the uh, the decisions on quarterbacks are being made by not the GM or the, uh, the coach, but by a... Uh, a certain Mr. Ursa, I think, is the owner. Is that rumor true? Well, Jim, look, first of all, look what he did. you got to kind of give him some credit there. He made that move with, you know, bringing in Jeff Saturday and everyone's, you know, complaining about it, the coaching profession. Listen, I listen to that guy. That guy was a good football player. This is something about him. He just seems to be very energetic. And I think Ursa just said, screw this. I'm going to chop this up. I'm going to do it my way. It's my team. I don't care. I'm going to go a little outside the box and uh, – it seemed to work in week, you know, for the first week so far. Yeah, but isn't that sort of like, uh, couldn't you say, like short term it's going to work because you get that fire that, that and, and also you're playing the Vegas Raiders. That's another story for another yeah, that day. That helps, right. Uh, with Mr. McDaniels out there. But isn't 
the short-term benefit of a, when you fire a coach seems the, the the team can go either way, but usually it's a little bit of a pump pump up. They usually, but with Saturday and his lack of experience and his lack of people he's going to coach, you know, we can talk about this some other time. We talked about this earlier in the or one of the earlier podcasts. Is you know what is his skill set and is is the short term worth the long term damage you could do to a football team? Well, that's the thing. I'm saying I think what they're going to do is they're going to just try to ride this ship out for the rest of the year and. You know, like at the end of the year, they're going to do the interviews, and they're going to pretty much go from there. But I just think Ursay has just got to the point where, you know, this is a guy I know. He played for me. He's been a consultant, and I'm just going to, you know, it's kind of a slap in the face, I guess, to these other coaches. You know, they're working hard. You figure they're there. They have all the experience. But, you know, he is the owner. It's his team. He signs the checks, right? That's exactly right. So anytime the owner decides to make a move, it doesn't mean it's always right. Jerry Jones comes to mind. Um, you so know. That, that's a very good point. I mean, look at him. He's just so involved. I love Jerry Jones. I mean, he gets it, but, you know, he's the GM. He loves doing the draft. But sometimes you got to take a step back. But I just think Ursay here, yeah, this could have been, I'm not saying, I think, you know, a little bit of a desperate situation down there. And I think he might have wanted to shake things up a little bit. Plus, their offensive line is like a sieve, and I guess bringing in a center, maybe he can correct those issues. Well, you saw that, and you saw yesterday. Like, they just, you could tell, they played better. They seemed like, like you said, they just, they, they seemed like they were a little more hungry. It just, last Sunday, was there was just a dud. That was bad. Yeah, so uh, that's Tommy's travel log from going out to Foxborough, <laughs> C.J. Trev, who then went out to... Uh, Vegas to do some gambling and uh, enjoy the enjoy the nightlife, right? That's what uh, that's what his job that's is. That's right? from what I heard, and uh, knowing him as usual, I don't think he won anything. But I told him spend the money. Yeah. So go enjoy yourself. But he had a little fun. I guess he played some blackjack. That's good for J. Treff. So since we've last seen you, a couple things happened. The Astros won the World Series, and the Phillies came, run came to the end, just like the Red Sox run against the Astros last year. Once you get good pitching, good pitching always usually stops good hitting. Uh, the Celtics continue to roll. Uh, although they've lost twice in overtime to the, the Cavaliers. And, and I think the Cavaliers' length causes them problems without Rob Williams. Absolutely. And then, we, again, we're not a big Bruins people here, <laughs> but the Bruins are rolling, too, with their new coach. And their old coach is rolling out in the Vegas for Vegas. So I think that the, I think Jack told me this morning, like 25-5 and five is the record for the two winter sports teams here in town. Yeah, this is, you know, we don't talk much hockey because me and you, and, but this is their best start, I think, ever in their history, correct? I would assume so, yes. I couldn't even tell you three plays. No, but it's been great. I mean, I'll tell you, there's nothing like going to a Bruins game. Like I always say, going to a hockey game is very, it's one of the, I just love going to playoff hockey. You know, I'm not a big hockey guy, but I'm, I'm happy for them. It looks like they have a nice team this year. But, you know, it all changes come the playoffs. It's all, it, it, it's different, but so far, so good. Good for their fans. They deserve to see some win. They're, they've they, they, they've got probably the most loyal fan base of everybody in town. They don't have the pink shirts. They don't have the Tom Brady lovers. They they don't have the Larry Bird lovers sitting across from me. <laughs> uh, but yeah, they um, they, they it's good it's good for the town for the teams to win. No, it's funny you say that about Jim. Yeah, the Bruins are real hardcore hockey fans, and even back in the day. Back in the you know the sixties when the Celtics were winning all the championships, if I'm correct, this was kind of more of like a hockey town. Oh, it's always hockey of, town. Thank you. Right. So if I kind of remember, like I remember those days, my father said you could go the day of the game and buy a seat on the court. Right. Like for a Celtics game, even though they won eight championships in a row. So you said it's always right. I didn't want to. It's always been kind of a hockey town here. Correct. So. And again, it's good. It's good for both teams to win. It's nice to have that ha have that go on as we get ready. This is our first week of really cold weather coming in. Oh, you could eat. You you see me all the time. Did you see? I actually have pants on and a sweater. He's gonna load it up like it's like it's five degrees outside. You town. know what's cold when I'm wearing pants. This is very true. 
So that's um, the other the other thing I really want to talk about today is, and we haven't really broached this subject. It is college football. Uh, college football is, is is just as much uh, big in certain regions of the country as the NFL can be, um, and it's see and, and and there's a lot of money involved, and there there's two or three major two major conferences actually dominated the SEC and the Big Ten, but just again you I don't know if you get a chance if you're you're, you're working on Saturdays but. You know, I remember watching college football years ago, and, and even up to today, the pageantry, the, the fun, the fans are into it, a lot of competitive games. But now it seems like we've had this um, the changeover, and in, in, in there are competitive games and there are competitive conferences, but there seems to be a lot of, of, of lopsidedness in regards to the talent level. You know, it's changing a little bit with the transfer portal, but you still see Alabamas, you still see the Georgias, you still see all the great SEC teams, Ohio State, you know, uh, Penn State. Uh, Michigan, you know, you would. I would. We're going to bring Oklahoma up later, but in the Big Twelve, it's not so much. What do you think changed over the, the? What's changed this year? What What do you see in college football? You know, Jim. Like, if there's any right or wrong answers, my opinion is I just, it, you know, of course, it's the recruiting and, you know, all the football down south. A lot of these kids now. What I'm seeing, what's happening. It seems like in the state of Texas that. Like, that's another team, like, to bring up. They seem like they're kind of coming back. As you know, they re they recruited the Manning kids. So I guess the Manning kids going to come there next year. And I think that's going to change a lot. I think what's going to happen is, you said, these top three or four teams, Alabama, Clemson, they're getting all these kids. But they happen to, like, you know, Clemson lost the other day. Alabama lost two games. So it's just like anything. You know, Jim, it's about money. It's recruiting. I mean, you're only as good as your players. To me, college football, I agree with you. Then you get these small conferences like maybe the Sun Belt Conference. Like two years ago, BYU kind of came out of nowhere. But I, I kind of like him. Yeah, I'm kind of getting a little bored with it's the same teams all the time, to be honest with you. So, again, it what, comes, we, not even is right. it the same. So let's right. look at the SEC, for example. V Vanderbilt actually won a game this weekend for like the first time in a million yeah, years. Become, that's right. That's right. Uh, and they're, they're an SEC team. They're, right. they're, the, they're the academic school in the SEC. Yeah, it helps to bring the grade point average to the conference up a little Absolute, bit. Absolutely. Great baseball school, right? Yeah, especially when you have the Mississippis and Louisianas of the world, uh, <laughs> Alabama, Georgia, all those places. But, again, like – Alabama played Ole Miss this year. Alabama has gone off. Has not been great, great this year. I mean, when you lose 12, 14 players in the NFL, you know, you're, every year you're not going to be great, great. Um, so, but the SEC seems to be the best conference in the country, no doubt about it. No, absolutely. And you know, not to bring up, as you know, not to give a shout out. I know BC. Wow, I was shocked. They won the other day. They beat NC State. They finally won a game, and I'm like, their offensive line, the kids, these kids, not even getting two, three seconds to throw the ball. But I thought the A's. The ACC, too, was kind of taking a step backward, too. Oh, definitely If has. you agree. And, uh, you know, you saw Syracuse. And Clemson's still really good. They kind of had the off year last year. I saw Notre Dame waxed them like two weeks ago. So, yeah, it's just these kids. It's And then, you know, it all comes down, again, too. It's the quarterback. If you get that top-tier quarterback, that helps a lot, too. Right. And it seems like, you know, like the Alabamas and the Clemson, I mean, they get all the best kids. So they get the five-star recruits. And, like, again, you're only as good as your players in college. I really believe that. Well, if you go back, let's talk about quarterbacks. You go back to like Joe Bur uh, Burrow, or won the uh, Heisman Trophy with LSU in the National Championship. Right, but but you know who he was throwing to? Who were his two receivers? Yeah, if I recall, you're gonna all right. The Jamar kid. Chase and yeah. Justin Je and Jefferson. Oh my God, you forget. He was throwing to Chase and Jefferson. And you know we'll get onto that later with the transfer photo. And he transferred from Ohio State too. Well, just like People. Justin Fields transferred in, and and uh, you know. Uh, Jalen Hurts moved around, and that's what's going to happen. The transfer portal, let's talk a little bit about that because right. I think football and basketball, it impacts it in different ways. In, in football, it allows, to me, it allows, if, you're, if you want to play in the NFL and you think you're good enough, you're a small-level school, 
And you can transfer like to a Miami or a Florida or Alabama or Penn State or Ohio State. And it'll increase your draft stock or increase your views or see, see if you can really play at that level. It's a great thing. On the other way down, it allows some of the kids who are rated four stars right. who maybe shouldn't be playing at that level or overrated right. to come down to a level that they can play at. But it also in football, and as we'll get to basketball, and the point is football clogs everything up. You know, you know what's going to happen? I'm going to transfer. Okay, you can transfer. Where are you going to go? Right. You know, so if you're not happy because you're a sophomore and got no playing time, is there a reason why you're getting no playing time? Or now, if a coach leaves, or they, they change offenses or defenses structures, it might be chance to go. But how do you think the how do you think the transfer portal over the last two or three years has really impacted the the whole talent level and distribution in college football? Well, it makes a big difference. I think, like you said again, like to compare, like the example, like say if you're a mid-major kid and you're going to like a Western Michigan or something, and like you're a real good player, I think that's where it can go both ways. You never see like. Well, what would happen, say, like in an Alabama, the kid's a third-string quarterback, he might want to go down to, like, a mid-major because he'll get more playing time. So it can go both ways, I think. What happens is if a kid's at a mid-major and he wants to get a little more notoriety, he transfers to a bigger school. Cause he f but, like, to me, too, football, there's 52 guys. Like, the scouts are going to find you in football. I think it changes a lot. It's more like with basketball because you're only talking about 12 players on each team. But yeah, it has made a big difference. It just it changes the complexity of teams. I mean, a lot of times these kids are going in, they're not playing, and they transfer right out. Do I agree with it? No, but the kid's just thinking about himself. He's just thinking about trying to get noticed and go to the next level. Right, and I think it it, it the impact in football. You're right. Is is not as we'll say um, it does it doesn't create the earthquake effect that you can have in basketball. Well, yeah, because. Two, Jim, there's two, two people feel there's only two rounds in, in, in the NBA draft. There's only two rounds. And a lot of times these kids are going to the D League, the G League. You know, in the NFL, there is seven rounds. You know, you figure 52 plays, there's 30 teams, right? So what if you do the arithmetic? It's, That's way too much arithmetic for me, Well, Tom. we can do it quick, yeah, especially a, for me. You know, I got to get out my uh, calculator here. But yeah. it is. It's just football. They find you, as you know. Back in the day, look what Deion Sanders is doing now with Jackson State. Back in our day, you know, in our time, a lot of these plays would come from these predominantly black schools. Now, that's another thing now. That seems like these predominantly black schools are coming back up on the map now, seems yeah, to me. And Dion has a lot to do with that, plus playing time has a lot to do with that. Exposure has a lot to do with that. Of course. You know, the difference in college football is is that, you know, you do have your your your, your, your a structure, a cast structure. You know, you got, and I'm going to talk about Alabama, Georgia, LSU, um, Ole Miss, Tennessee, you know, and in that group, you got like five five teams there who legitimately at the beginning of the season might, might have been national championship contenders in one conference. Yeah. You know, not discounting, you know, the Floridas and, the, and, and all the other schools that are in the conference, just South Carolinas. But, again, Tennessee's having a great year. So Alabama's having an off year. Georgia won the national championship. It seems to be the best football team in the country. Um, so the SEC continues to dominate, and, and to be honest with you, all the money flows into there now anyway because the TV contracts are there. Right. Those conferences, have, you know, Tennessee, we talked about this in the pet peeve. They take their goalposts and throw it in the river, and they got $100 million coming in on, on annually for football because of exactly. television contracts. You know, so how, how are you going to compete if you're – even if you – Vanderbilt should be able to compete, but academic schedules or, 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 or why are the lower-level teams in the SEC – sometimes struggling to compete with some of the higher-level teams, even the mid-majors, the G5s. You know, what's the difference? Why is Alabama great? You know, why is Georgia now great? And, and just what's your take on that? I'll give my take after you give that. Why are these schools all of a sudden, like, shot to the top? 
you know, too, like a lot of times you look at the schools. I mean, look at the facilities, too. I know I'm going to use that for an example. I just can't even believe, like, they show the facilities, like, at Alabama, at all these big schools. I'm not saying these small schools. It's like, it's crazy. It's like millions, billions of dollars that they pump into the athletic department. And if you're a kid, plus, I think a lot of it's the TV exposure. Not that everyone's on TV now, but if you go to Alabama, you go to Tennessee, you're on TV every week. Right. Right. So, I mean, would you say, I think a lot of it's TV revenue. These kids want to be on TV. You kind of go to these, like you said, maybe like a BYU or like you made a good point, like more like a lower level school, like an SEC school, like a Vanderbilt. You're not getting as much exposure. Right. And I think, so to, 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 to talk about that point, um, the Conference of Temple's in the AC. You know, we've got uh, Cincinnati made the, the, the tournament last year, made right. the, the Final Four. You know, UCF, now all they're leaving for the Big 12 for the money, but... But look at like a Coastal Carolina, and, and I'm not, I'm going to say Liberty, but I almost choke on my vomit in Liberty. Yeah, I'm but it's Liberty, funny, but, but they beat Arkansas. They lost, I know, and they, they lost, lost to UConn for crazy. crazy. You're right. You know, and BYU is going to the Big 12 now. So right. as these teams, as the, con- of the, as the bigger conferences consolidate in football where all the money is, you know, those teams are always still going to be, they're going to be able to continue to dominate. And eventually what happens to that middle-level school where, you know, I'll use the MAC as an example, which nobody in – I don't think there's probably 10 people listening to us now can name four MAC schools, <laughs> although you didn't men- mention one earlier. But, again, Nick Saban, who's dominated for a while, had made a point. He said, if Kirby Smart gets to Georgia, he is a problem for me because Kirby coached for Nick Saban. Kirby knows, Kirby knows what he's doing. Kirby is in a recruiting area where it's very fertile, and he did that. He has done that. He has tipped the balance of power – from Alabama to Georgia, even if it's for two years, he's done that. No, no, you know, doubt. Uh, Urban Meyer had done that down in Florida when he won back-to-back championships. Right. You know, LSU has gone through fifteen thousand different coaches, but eventually Brian Kelly looks like, you know, if he can get, keep getting the talent, he's going to get. They're going to be competitive. So you know, you know, you look at the, the, you know, those great teams, and then but then you look at Oklahoma and Texas are going to come into the SEC. And Oklahoma's got their worst year going in, in ages, and everybody wonders why. Well, you know, I think, Jim, because that Lincoln-Riley leaving, that might have had something to do with it, if you agree. And look what he's already doing at USC. That something to do with it, Tom? You, you think, think it had something to do with it? Just a little I bit. I think it had, like, not only did he leave, half the team left because of the transfer portal. And then they bring the guy in who was the, who's the coordinator. I can't remember his name. The coordinator at, at Clemson uh, came in. Right. And uh, and uh, he he's going to have to rebuild from the – from the bottom, but he's at Oklahoma, you know, and but can will Oklahoma see the same fate that Nebraska did when they went to the Big Ten? So Nebraska dominated the '80s and '90s, no doubt about it. Even the yeah. '70s, from Johnny Rogers to Barry to um, to T- Todd Frazier, Tommy Frazier, and yeah. to all those wishbone teams, you know they dominated. They dominated. They dominate nationally, and now they're just a they're an also ran once they moved to the Big Ten. It's so it's the same thing in Oklahoma because now you're recruiting footprint. Was was you always got all the great players from Nebraska? You always got the great players from, from right. Oklahoma, from Iowa, those places. That recruiting for it has to expand to be national, and and they used to recruit New Jersey really well. Nebraska is the same fate going to come to Oklahoma when they go to the SEC as it came to Nebraska, and that's something that the fans have to think about. Um, but is but then again, I look at and this. Uh, my opinion is, what is the goal of playing college football? Um, is it to win the national championship? Is it to get to a bowl game? Is it to win your conference championship? You know, every every team's got a different set of goals. If it's Temple, it's to win three games this year. But, you know, what's the goal? As a fan, what do you want to see? Do you want to see – I want to see my team competitive and play. I've, I've lived my whole life with my, my, my alma mater being 
terrible all but for five years. No, but like you said, when we went a few years ago, me and you went to the Temple BC game. Like, give me a major, but you're a true fan. Like, to me, these fans, it's all about money. But, like, Temple is just, you know, they're like a tiny mid-major. But it's just these schools now. I just think, Jim, with all the money and with the big schools, it's just like if you're a kid coming out of high school, it's just it's so hard. How do these these mid-majors get these really these real good plays? They don't. They well, they, they were, uh, now, how do they get to – so if they get what? a good player, he's gone in a year or two because well, he wants to be bigger. Well, right. You mean Doesn't he that wants kill to – yeah, because yeah, he wants to transfer out. Yeah. So the whole point is, like you said, what are what are the goals like of a real fan? Because it's really all about money. Do these schools just want to get to a bowl game, make some money? I prefer to win. But as, as, a, as, a, as but it's not about that anymore. I don't even think it's just all about money. You know, as, as an alumni, I prefer to win. I don't like what happened to us last year. I, I like what happened to us in 2015 and 2017 with Matt Rule. Now, how did he how did he wow. recruit kids? What you know what Matt did? He you know, has, he has a great recruiting footprint in the Philadelphia area. So right. Philadelphia, Maryland, Delaware, New Jersey, um, that whole region. So what he was doing was he's having camps. He'd bring kids into camp. He'd evaluate a kid at this camp. You know, he got, he got a guy, uh, Sean Chandler, who I think he's playing for the Giants. I'm not sure Giants or Jets. Could even be with Indianapolis for all I know because everybody plays in Indianapolis. But yeah, Walker they, too. They, they found him at a camp, right. and they offered him a scholarship right away. He was a two- or three-star. Uh, and I think that's the thing that, at that at those levels, you're not getting five stars to come to Temple. You, you're not, Temple's not going to get one five star. You know, Eli Eli, Eli Manning, not Eli Manning, um, whatever Arch Manning isn't well, coming to Temple. No, and I'm surprised. Like, like we're going to say next year, if they're saying what they're saying about this kid, that's going to maybe that could maybe change the whole landscape. Do you think? Yes, it could. It could. It could. It could. And then speaking of like when we went four or five years ago, when you took me to that game. Temple had five or six kids on that team that got drafted. And, Jim, what happened to that linebacker who was real good with Arizona? Is he hurt? You know, the one he was real good. He was, like, led the league in sacks. He's the linebacker slash. The kid he played, played for, like, Arizona just about a year or two ago. Uh, is he still there? Probably. Oh, the kid from Temple. Oh, yeah. Oh, a real he, good player there. He's, he's now in the NFL. Yeah, but, no, but they had, like, that year, you remember, they had an offensive lineman. They had five or six guys that they got did. drafted. So what happened to them the last few years? They kind of really. They don't well, that's coaching. Any... That's coaching and recruiting. Well, at that bring, level, how do you bring in good talent? But you got to value talent. Speak about right here with the BC kid. Look at that wide receiver. He could have went and grabbed that money and transferred. Yeah, but they're saying he's about the ninth rated receiver. But that kid's going to play on Sundays. Yeah, but again, what, again, we go back to Temple. BC's got right. a little bit more advantage at Temple because they're in the ACC. But well, go back to that. What the hell is going on? What as we talk about college right. football, BC has absolutely no shot, none, zero, ever, ever, Tough. to me, to compete for a national championship now, ever. They never the the highest they ever ranked when Matt Ryan was here. You're right. They were like a top what? They ended like number ten or something. Right. They do have that. They have no chance. No. To compete, and they're in the ACC. They're lower half of the ACC. Right. They have as much. They have like a little bit more chance than Temple does to to make it to the what we'll call the the tournament, the the Final Four, they, whatever they want to call the BCS championship games. So transitioning to that, um, what do you think the difference? What twelve teams, four teams? What do you, what do you prefer for a championship round? <laughs> you know, Jim, I. We go back as me and you like. I always like what they call now one AA. I just love what the FCS does. Yes, I know to get into, but I know with the big time. I think this this like this final four as we call it. I know we're talking about college football. It is. It's kind of getting a little. It's kind of getting a little boring. It's getting a little dull. It's the same teams. But I'll tell you, I kind of maybe. I think I like to maybe go to like that twelve team thing. Like I just love the FCS playoffs. How they used to do it. 
with all the teams playing, and you kind of just throw them all in, and you got like the. Tw- I think that's a little bit it gives everyone else a little more of a chance. To be honest with you, well, that was FCS goes sixteen teams, right? And the the reason given back in the day from the NCAA was the the Division One, we'll call them the FBS now, right. wants to it it takes away from their academic time because they'll have to play three additional weeks. Well, why can the FCS play? And the FBS can't. You know, right. it, because of the B versus the C, the bowl games had so much power for so long. You know, I'm not giving up my Rose Bowl piece because I'm, sh- I'm making a boatload of money going right. to the Rose Bowl. Right. I'm not giving up my Orange Bowl. I'm not giving my Sugar Bowl. I'm not, they don't want to give those ties up because there was a lot of money involved. Then they finally find Now they come to the oh, i got four teams here. Woo, look how much money we can make on this football from television. So I think going to 12 is smart. I mean – Everybody says the 12th-ranked team would, would get demolished. But let me pull my notes out here, Tommy, as we're talking. So around the 12-ranked team right now would be the ba- Bama, Clemson, Utah, Penn State. Um, so those teams would play, like, let's say the top four are Georgia, Ohio State, uh, TCU, and Tennessee. Yeah, how would you break it down? Like one will play 12, two no, will play no, no, one, one through four get a bye. Right, right. And then the yeah. other four, the other eight teams. Yeah, play but you right. imagine Alabama. You know, would you want to play them in the first no. round? I don't know. I wouldn't. But then again, you might get Alabama on. You, Alabama would have to go on the road. If they're twelve, twelve goes on the road. Right, right. You know, and then and then the next round is on the road, and then you get to the final four, then you play it at the bowl at the at the. That's, it would just make more sense. But it would, Jim. And you know what else? Too, I don't like. What, you know how like it ends the end of November, and then they're off for that five weeks. That drives me. I kind of lose the zest for it. Correct. Like with the one AA, like they go weak, but then maybe too many more games. You know, it all comes down to money. Then imagine like college division one, like they're playing 14, 15 games. But I would like it. Yeah, and I would too. I think that I not only does it, what it does is it gives you an opportunity to see other teams that might not have would not have a chance. Like UCF a couple of years ago was undefeated, right? And they and they get a sniff. And then they went and played the Peach Bowl and, and destroyed Auburn. Yeah, that was and then that must have been the coach. Then that's like a step up school. That's where the coach. Well, Scott Frost, who went to Nebraska, he got fired. But look at I know, but he's yeah. still making the money. But then that was the kid for Tennessee. He went there, and then right? Josh Hempel went there, and now yeah. at Tennessee. So and now they have uh, Gus Malzone is there, who's not stepping stone anywhere. He's going to stay there, I think. Oh, but, again, but, again, if I, if I just look at the list of the top 25 teams, and, and it, it, this changes all the time. Like Alabama played Ole Miss. You know, USC is in, in contention. USC has no – it's almost a long shot for USC, which is a great football program, right. to, to, every, to actually even have an opportunity to play in this now. But you get USC there. You may have USC play Penn State. You could have LSU playing Clemson. You know, Utah – oh, Utah – Utah playing, let's say they play Bama, yeah, and all of a sudden, all, all of a sudden, those those four games are nice games. They're great for a fan. It makes sense for it to watch. Is it gonna? Is it actually gonna determine? Is the national champion gonna come from one of four or five teams? Of course, it is. But in college basketball, it's the same thing. You pick, you find me the top ten teams in, in college hoop. I can take eight of them and guarantee you one of those eight are gonna win the national championship unless something fluky happens. So in football, it's just I like to watch college. I like to watch a good football college football game. Like Alabama, Ole Miss the, last night, uh, Saturday night was a nice, was a good game. It was competitive. You know, LSU struggled a little bit. I watched a f- some minutes of that. Whatever that Miss Miss Kelly lets me watch, I get to watch now. But I had spent three hours watching Temple lose late, late last minute to Houston on Saturday, so it sort of ruined Gosh. my Saturday. But uh, I would be remiss if I I'll, I'll use that as some, as we go later. So real quickly, uh, who do you think is the? I know how much you might not watch a ton, but who who do you think has? Who are the two programs you think have a chance to win? Who would you, if you had to put your money on some one of the college programs right now, who would be the national champion? Me to win the national champion this year. I'll tell you, Jim. I love. 
I don't. Th- I think Georgia. That's one. I'm gonna give you another. All right, and um, so we can fight about this. Yeah, we can I know fight. Gonna All right, pick. I know. You, uh, I'm gonna yeah. say Georgia and my other team right now. I know you're gonna throw them out, but they're just so loaded. And it's. Um, I'm gonna say Ohio State. Yeah. yeah why? Last week you said Michigan, though. You love I, the Big Blue. You love no, Jim did, Harbaugh. Well. I don't I'm know just, with them. You I know, you know. You back but, away from it. You no, he, here, you know here, what? He here. can never. Well, he just finally beat Ohio State last week. I mean, last year. That was here, the first time. Yes. So, I don't know with them. They just seem like they always come up like in a big game. They come up a little. Because, you know what, Jim? I don't think their quarterback position's been very strong since he's been there. Their offensive line is phenomenal. It's I, always I, good. I, but I hate Harbaugh. I hate Harbaugh. I know you do. But isn't that weird? Like, the last few years, they produce all these pros, but... Considering he was a quarterback, and that's another key. Don't forget, he quarterbacked the Colts, right. so there's a little connection there. But he never seems to have the top-tier quarterback. He seems to get a transfer, or he does, which is odd. Well, again, we, we can go back. At some point, we'll the talk court. about quarterbacking in college. We talked about it last week in the NFL. Where are all the good quarterbacks? Well, if there are no good quarterbacks in the NFL, there might not be a lot of great quarterbacks in college I, either. Well, it is. It's weird. Like we say, and you know how that state of Texas seems to produce a lot of them, but there really isn't. I mean, and look at these backup quarterbacks, Jim. Did you see the other take? Arizona and the Rams. Well, Colt McCoy. And then that kid for the Rams, he went to Wake Forest. He yeah. was going to be working on Wall. What is he doing playing in the NFL? Like, don't get me that's wrong. That's all they have. That's what the talent level but, is. That, that's, but, Jim, that just that amazes me. But that's where we're talking about college we're football. We're going over that, yeah. You're college football is, you know, you're it, winning with what, what type, like Stetson Bennett. The kid down in Georgia. Well, he's 25 years old, by the way. I know. He's an ancient ancient mariner, right? Yeah. But he's a good quarterback, though. They're going to win because he's going to make smart but decisions. I love him, but you're right. But you know what, Jim? He won't even get a sniff. But then the kid at Tennessee, have you seen him throw the football? Yeah, that's the kid who he transferred from Virginia. Yes. Yeah, he's... He's, I'm watching that game the other day. I said, Jesus, he, he's hitting passes left and right. Yeah, now he's they're saying dimes on people. Yeah, they're saying he might he can probably get drafted now. So, again, and Alabama's quarterback's really good. You know what, Jim? He's he's a little more on the small side, but I like that. A that kid's a winner. That kid's going to be all right. He's going to play on Sundays. The kid for Ohio State, um, probably going to get drafted. He's going to go real high, but again, you know, those guys don't seem to do well in the NFL. Well, that's I don't right. want to get in. That's another that's story. So yeah. I'm going to say, I definitely think Georgia's cream of the crop, but Georgia has issues as well. I mean, they're beatable. Yep. They're not going to win at all. And I, I hate to go with Tennessee because I want to see both goalposts thrown in the river. So, <laughs> yeah, I, I do think Ohio State's the second best team. But, again, we'll get that match of Ohio State-Michigan coming up. Mm. And then Ohio State, one of those two teams is going to have to play uh, in a championship game, Big, tw- Big, Ten, uh, Big Ten championship right. game. You know, I think USC is a pretty good football team. They lost to uh, they, they lost us to Utah. Right, right. And they could, they could get a chance to avenge that loss. But, again, I look at these teams, and other than Georgia – who I think is a little bit above the cream at the top, where Alabama had been for so many years. You know, OSU, Michigan, even TCU has got that. Sonny Dyke's a great coach. You know, I remember playing against him at, at when he was at SMU. He's a TCU now, he's but he's got two big games coming up. Well, gonna... Yeah, you know, but still, he's done a great job. Yeah, you know, LSU, Tennessee, USC, Alabama, even Clemson. Those those ten teams could all, if they get a shot, could all win. Absolutely. You know, but there's, there's there will be limited shots at it. But real quickly, on, on as we finish up some college football before we do um, or compare, special teams, how important college football? Like, special teams are very important. I think that's what, you know, that's the difference. Special teams is, you know, I don't want to say, probably Bill Belichick always says, I don't compare, but how important is special teams? What, look at what, you know, you're talking about maybe the greatest coach ever. 
Look what he thinks about special teams, how he's so involved. I think special teams is huge in college football. And, it, you know, it changes games. It changes everything. Especially, I think, kicking. I think a kicker is so vital to winning in college football. And that's – But it, it – it is, but now, like in the pros, they're kicking from it. But it is so well, vital. Yeah. I totally agree. Well, kicker can kick well, the ball through the end zone in college football. Starts the. There's no no doubt about it. You're starting on the 25. Right. But a, and a kicker can put the ball through the uprights consistently is going to win you football games. You're not going to you're not going to go for it on fourth and fourth and four from the 35. You're going to say, listen, this kid's get, he's here. He can kick a 50 yarder. I can take the three instead of taking the analytics play a lot to do with. But I think kicking. You know, we'll we'll win or lose. Like, um, well, like Florida you, State will go back all the way to the '90s. Florida State had the uh, oh uh, the kid was at North. Not, oh, uh, you remember wide uh, right, wide right, wide left. Yeah, yeah. And then they brought in Sebastian Janikowski. They finally, oh my god, they finally right. bring this great kicker in, and they win national championship with him. And I, then Alabama, you and I had to. We we used to watch games with me. Watch Alabama. Said this kicker. No, when the terrible. kids play travel, we were all you know. And their teams, like you're right, they have 12, 13 guys every year that get drafted playing on Sunday, and they never had a field goal kicker. Never. Is, I know that is weird with and especially with Saban. I'm kind of surprised on, and you know, and he's part of that tree. Think about it. You but know, it he's could, part of the Belichick tree. But again, the, the answer to that could be well, the kids aren't out there, Jim. No, no, they're not out there. Maybe it's just something where they think they have a kid who can kick, and you get your, that's your scholarship kid. Maybe you have a walk-on kicker, and you have a punter, and maybe the kid just can't. Maybe you recruit the wrong kid. Yeah, well, you, know, you but just you can't, can't kick under pressure you in front of eighty thousand people. You can't you know? lose a national championship because you can't kick. kick that's an what extra I would point. say. I totally agree. So when we go to kickers, let's do our uh, uh, ding, ding, ding to the next round, which is the comparison. Let's just real quickly, let's compare the football in the 80s to fo college football in the 80s to college football today. Well, for me to start on that one, that's definitely, you know, in the 80s, we can think about it's definitely the running backs. You know, you think about the guys, Earl, well, no, in the 70s and then the all the running backs, Eric Dickerson, Earl Campbell, all these guys. It just seemed like. It was more like it was the running backs. Herschel now, Walker. Well, there's a guy speaking. Did he end up winning there? No, he didn't. He's going to run off. Yeah, here we go. He's they said a, it's going to run off, and Herschel says, I'll win that because no way Raphael Warner can run faster than me. Imagine. <laughs> That's my political joke of the day. I always say one of my top five greatest college football players of all time. But he went into the NFL. He was never a, well, he was never a great NFL player. But, you know, it was just now it's more, again, it's the analytics, it's the pass, and Today, no, it's more about the quarterback play. But the difference is definitely in the running backs, I think. Right, and I think I, you're right. I go back to the 80s, and, you know, Oklahoma was dominant. Nebraska was dominant. They ran oh. the wishbone. You know, think about that. You know, uh, it, was, it wasn't until actually probably Howard Schnellenberger with Miami came in and started with Jim Kelly, yep. started throwing the ball all over the field and building, building a team. I remember the great Penn State teams of the 80s. Their quarterbacks were okay. You know, like Todd Blackledge is actually still on TV now. Um, he was part, of, he that, was, he he was was part of that draft, too, he, Jim, but he it, never did anything. He was a game manager, though. After, he, that's he managed all he the was. Game, he was. You know, and then as things change, as we get into the 90s, we're still playing running back, power, power football. Oh, yeah. You know, throughout, that's the way the coaches who they, who were coaching at, the point, at that time. Then Miami came along and changed a little bit with, with more athleticism. And I don't know. I think that I think it's just with the um, – more over the last 10 years where we got the, the spread – Quarterbacks who are yep. very athletic, yes. who can run and can pass, um, and and just the athleticism, even uh, all overall sports athleticism has increased. But the athleticism of these players is just, you know, I just shake my head. I watch some of the things these kids can do now, and uh, you know, they they far outweigh, you know, as great as those running backs of the '80s and '70s were. These kids are just the, the athleticism is off the charts. They're just not. I don't think um, they're as big. 
But I think, and I think offensive lines have changed to more pass protect. But again, you, you win by pounding it if you can, and using a quarterback's uh, ability. Whereas before, you would pound it and use your quarterback to make right decisions, limit your turnovers, score, you know, get teams down, and 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 put the clamps defensively. So it's, it has changed a lot since the early '80s. Definitely, I agree with that. I just don't. It's going to continue to be an athletic game. No, there's no doubt. Like, look at the other. Did you see what the kid for Chicago's run for in the last two games, Jim? Three hundred and seventy yards. But then there's a screen. He can't. He throws right. it. It's and Jim. I'm not saying it's by like I miss the old days. I kind of, you know, I'm a big Tennessee fan. I was always told you I love Steve McNeil. I love Eddie George. Pound, pound, pound. McNeil would make a play back then. Jim, they didn't pass for all these yards. It was very system. That year, people forget McNeil and uh. I used to make the example, Peyton Manning won co-MVP that year. Do you know Steve McNeil only threw for like 2,800 yards? Right. And he won MVP today. These guys are throwing for 5,000 yards. Yeah, but in college, though, right. McNair, it's the McNair style. Well, McNair, they play like broke, McNair does now. I agree, but yeah. then he came to the NFL like he became a system guy. Right. But I agree because, and that was Jeff Fisher a little, but imagine McNair playing today. Like he started, but my point is, is now like they're all running and gunning. It's the run and shoot. Like, yeah, Jim, it's great for stats and for people betting overs and unders with gambling, we've talked about this. But to me, I kind of miss the old days. I used to like when the guys used to run the ball. Like it's great that. for the eyeballs, though. You really people love the seventy to sixty-eight game. Jim, they do, but I kind of miss the old days. Like even when Brady first came in, we talked about this. I right, mean, you know, he was a game manager, Jim. Ooh, for yeah. the first six years, people talk. Yeah, yeah. People don't even know they're alive. He was a game manager for the first four or five Until years. Until oh seven, when he got Randy Moss. You make a very good point. And then in those middle eight and nine years, they did not win a Super Bowl. But the thing with college, again, I'll go back to college, yep. is the coaches are recruiting to what they're running. Right. So so if you are if you if you go into if you go into a coaching situation, you're you hire an offensive coach. He is going to recruit offensive players. He's going to recruit speed. That's the UCF. We'll use UCF as an example. They 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 built a program from scratch almost on, but they recruit athletes. They recruit kids that fast. They're I, I watch them play Temple, and they're just faster than our kids. They're quicker than our kids. They're more athletic than our kids. Now we're with a new coach. Now it takes three years to rebuild your program at least. But again, but if you're going to go and say let's play Temple football, which would be, you know, line them up and smash mouth and get a quarterback who can throw the ball, maybe go pro set, maybe go running back tight ends, throw your tight ends, you know. That's the style they want to play. They're going to recruit to that style. Now that might not always beat the fast teams, but it will. That one time you need to beat the fast team because you can control the ball and they keep the ball out of their hands. Right. That's how you win. So it's really stylistically, college football has gone. You're right to every kind of different spread offense you can think of. Right? Yeah, it's unbelievable. I mean, look what's happened here, and you know. I know you weren't a big fan. The, you know, the coach that coached Temple, that coached BC there for the last seventy years. Oh. I know, no, but oh, I'll tell you, Tommy. Are you killing? Am me? I trying to? But You're killing BC me. was running the ball fifty-two to fifty-four times a game. Did you yeah. see that against NC State? They had one yard rushing. I know they did. Like things are like so. Have things changed? It's it's just like everyone, like you said, it goes back to coaches' philosophies, how these coaches go in, come in. But BC used to have those big offensive lines, but he would. Be, you got to pass the ball to win too a little bit. Yes, you do. So that's great. Let's transition coaching. So we go to Mount Rushmore. So yeah. As we as we finish up the show here tonight, Tommy, uh, really good discussion we've had. I think it's great awesome. to it's great to, to just air out what we've seen, as we call it, we've seen enough, and what we're about to see or what we could see. So let's go the Mount Rushmore. So you got four, and th this can go anywhere you want to go with it. 
Okay. You know, four, your Mount Rushmore, four greatest college football coaches. All right, Jim. Well, you know, of course, we've been talking about what you're talking about. You get first pick. All right, I'm going to say, of course, you got to put, I'm going to put Nick Saban in there. Nick Saban, I figured that would be. So I'm going to go old school, and I know that there was a pedophile issue at Penn State. But but I could go Joe Paterno. So anybody who can... Maybe we can build a national program out of a cow field, which is what Penn State was when he went in. Took over Rip Angle back in the 60s. I know he had issues. He probably should have retired about six or eight years before he did. But, again, here's a guy, and everybody hates him now and, and disgusting. And my dad hated him because he was he always thought he was holier than thou, and he never did wrong, But and he did a lot of shenanigans up there. But he took a program. He built a program. He built a university that was just a big school in the middle of the state to great football power, great – Great, great program, great facilities, great everything else, you know. And he did. He had the paternal way, which is a bunch of horseshit. But he did do a great job in the middle of the program. So if you put the Pantheon, I'm going to put him up there. Well, that was going to be. I was just going to mention him, so I'll count him. He's my number two. But I'm going to probably put him Bear Bryant. Yeah. From Alabama, he was a little before my time, but. When he came in, you know, how he used to wear the hat. and The houndstooth I, cap, yes. Yeah, you know, yeah. he did coach into the early 80s, as you know, so I kind of remembered seeing him at the end. I mean, he was quite a coach, too. I know I picked two Alabama guys, but you got to put Bear Bryant there. Well, I thought Bear Bryant was – he. someday if we talk about coaches from that year, era, right. he could probably not coach in this era. He was a mean, a mean vicious human being. He was tough, not mean. Well, he you was always got me confused that I get he was the a one. Tough coach. But who's the other one I get mixed up with? The one from Ohio State. Oh, that's Woody Hayes. Oh, thank you. Well, yeah, another Pretty great coach. Pretty punched the linebacker. Huh? Yeah, uh, the kid from Clemson, yeah. Very good, but, but then again, that was his coach. He kid. Like, no, don't make me laugh. Again, I watched it on real sports. Like, that guy was Again, nuts. Woody Hayes. Oh, he's typical and that, Ohio that State. And Bo Schembechler, Woody Hayes. Yeah. Those coaches from that era, even oh, wow. Paterno now. I think trans- that that type that style of coaching where you're in their face. Frank Cush was another one, coached at Arizona State. I don't remember that name. He's the one who grabbed right. the kid. And then if I'm correct, he went to the Baltimore coach. Yes, he did. But he grabbed the kid on the side. Cush, that's right. Did. Yep. So again, I go. That's a good. That's a. That's, so you got Bryant and you got. Uh, oh God, you got the two freaking guys from Alabama. You were home. You were home. Yeah, and then Paterno's my third. And I, then I, I gotta say, my... I'll throw in um, one guy that I, I. It might go. Might might be beyond your time. I'm going to go with John McKay from USC, who no. ended up taking rebuild building the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Oh, yeah, throw, you remember the saying, I'll never forget, throw McKay in the bay. Yes, but McKay was always um, Sam Bam was... Cunningham, and he, he instituted the, Speaker, that right. leap to score, get the short yardage situation. He did a good job. He really recruited well out there. He, he get, kept all the athletes. He was the kind of guy who, who utilized. He had Pat Hayden as his quarterback, for Christ's sakes. And he won, right. he won we'll national championship. So, I forgot John you know, McKay. That's a good one. John too. McKay is a, an interesting one. So I'll give you another one. Why don't you go? Who, would you, who else do you think? I think you're going to take Woody Hayes. Come on. How about Newt Rockney? Well, those guys. And then here's a name, which football was named after all the leagues. Pop Warner, right? Yeah. Listen, that's another guy. You know where he out. coached, don't you? Like, because I'm kind of going, did he coach at Temple? He coached at Temple, yeah. yeah. And so then your other guy there who coached for the coach, the one who's in Tampa Bay now, Brady told him to go upstairs. Arians. Yeah, Bruce Arians. He's not, he was he, he was fine. Bill Cosby, great school. Yeah, I will go with, how about how about a couple other names? Um, Bobby Bowden, who took a nowhere. Kind of That's spot? another guy. I, you know, I'm going to throw this guy out. He probably didn't coach long. Nah, I was going to say, because then he coached in the NFL. I think Jimmy Johnson was a phenomenal coach. I was actually, I was at you know, Miami when I, they hired him. All right. So I spent one season working in their athletic department with him there. He was just a showboat. He was 
He was the t- prototypical coming from the mid, uh, middle part of the country to Miami. He knew the game. He knew what he was doing. He had a game plan. He was he was so smooth and so sharp. Bobby Bowden to me is the same way. He knew how to handle all the coaches, all the coaches. Well, coaches. Bolden, yeah, I think he was kind of in some way he was a little underrated. He, yes. Even though he kind of went under the radar, I should have won a few more national championships. But boy, could he recruit? And like you say about Jimmy Johnson, I hear the stories. He would be a, when he became that coach in the NFL in Dallas. He would be Jim on one side of the field. He'd be screaming over to the other field like yeah. he had his eyes on everything. He was phenomenal. Very, right, very good understanding. Of, he had a good, good. Uh, we'll go at twenty thousand foot view of the football game too. Well, I would say like with you, he was a great preparer. Like, yes, I like how you he just he knew and he was a great one, but he was a great preparer and he knew how to and he could get through to his players too. That's true. So some of the guys that so we've got Bryant, we've got Paterno, we got McKay, we got Bowden. Mm-hmm. We've got uh, Woody Hayes, Bo Schembechler, which you mentioned because he, Not he, he beat the no. kid. No, <laughs> Nadazio's not with us. Oh, uh, or, or the guy that we had last year. I can't. I, I forgot his name already. Um, <laughs> what about the, we could Lou Saban, Lou Saban, uh, Nick Saban. Yeah. Uh, what about like uh, like I said, you got you got guys like Tommy Osborne from Nebraska. About about you him. got like Frank Barry Switzer who took over for Jimmy Johnson at the Cowboys. I was going to say Switzer, yeah. He's... Yeah, Ara Parsegian from from Notre, from Notre Dame. Dame yep. Newt Rockney from Notre Dame. Frank Leahy from Notre Dame. Some all, of the Earl Red Blake from the Army back in the forties. So again, it's there's a it depends what you like. Like let's say you're going to go. Let's go Bryant Paterno. Uh, Saban, definitely. Right. And then we'll throw our fourth in there can be, who was your other guy? Um, Woody Hayes? Well, I just, those Woody Hayes stories. So, though, huh? You know, we can go with John McCarr or Procedure or something. But they're great. I mean, they're, it, and, and today we're, we're, we see coaches, younger coaches who are really changing the landscape of college football. So but did you realize, like, a lot of the coaches are kind of more like, I'm not saying, more old, more old timers. Right, because they know because they know how to. Ma- they're CEOs now too. That's what's changed as well. You, you know, back then you only had a small staff. So it was easy. Right. You know, you could distribute skill sets out to, to to different people. Recruiting's everybody, but you need to be. You you're now you're running a multi billion multi million dollar enterprise. So so you got <laughs> well you got a you got a CEO to do that. Yeah, but like you were bringing up, I agree that was my friend. But paternal, what he did with that program is just you know, Jim, like those ugly uniforms. He never changed everything. Like they would run, run, run. They pass like twenty times a game, and he never changed. He always, even towards the end, he always kind of stayed the same. Then there towards the end, he started to lose a little. He started to lose, lose a lot. He lost. He a lot. did. He did, Jim. Then he wasn't getting the kids anymore either. And uh, my dad would always tell you, me is a phony. He didn't like him. I know you said that because he was a holier than thou kind of guy. He kind of he looked too good to be true. What happened there? I think Jim, deep down, he kind of knew about it. I don't think he. It was sad because, you know, he's you know a, funny, I was Tommy? a big Joe Paterno. You, know you know he went to Brown. People don't even know that. You know what's funny, Tommy? What? He's from Brooklyn. That Thank you. I, I, Temple was had had was close to interviewing Sandusky at one point in the 90s. Wow. And uh, I had heard it around the time, 98, 99, I had, I had actually heard the rumors about it. You know, and I'm, yeah, yeah so I, that, that didn't shock me that it happened because those rumors were always out there. So uh, I hate to end the thing. So let's let's just say. Yeah, well, that's another conversation. Another 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 topic for another day. You've um, seen enough. Yes, we have. I've seen way. We've seen plenty. I could call it now, <laughs> but we have seen enough time. Uh, real quick, any pet peeves for you? Other than the NFL sucks. Other than my pet peeve, it should be the MFL, the mediocre football league. You you go. Um. No. Like. Yeah. Really. It's just. It's just the league now. It's just I don't know. Like watching a game week in and week out. Like. Don't say the games are close, but it's just, I just think the league's so watered down right now, Jim. 
Yeah, I agree with you. I agree with you. Do you? That. I mean, I mean, Philadelphia is undefeated. We'll see them tonight. They're playing Indy next week. But do you really think of them as an eight and zero team? I mean, I don't know. It's hard to tell. We'll see. It, it, it usually yeah. plays out, but it it's very, very mediocre. I think it's very average. I think there's a lot of mediocre teams. That's my pet peeve. Yeah, I agree. And like again, we always talk like the other day. I put the Celtics on and. Again, with these guys just firing up three pointers. I love it. I love you, loving three. You fire. You go to freaking. Uh, well, I you, am, go to the, you go to the rec league there and men's left. I'm the, yeah, fire. but I can shoot though. I mean, everyone wants to shoot. I don't, okay, every, I got things to do today, really? Tommy. Come on, I'm enough. not getting little. Everyone's a guy. Enough. I got things to do. Let's go on. All right, call buddy. Okay, so Let's real stay. quickly, last week's trivia question was who was yeah, who, who hit for a the cycle in, in both, both leagues? leagues, and I said. Who scored the? Who's, oh, sorry about that, guys. Who scored the millionth run? Same guy. Who was the it? Same guy, and that is Bob Watson. Okay, guys, real quickly, because I got to run. I've seen, we've seen enough, and Jim Boyle's got to run here. Um, what do we got for quick trivia, buddy? All right, listen, I'm, you know, I'm kind of like a bird guy and everything. So this week's one's a good one. As everyone knows, Larry Bird got picked in the 1978 draft. He got drafted, even though he went back to school. So in the 1978 draft, he was the sixth pick. But there were actually, who were the five players picked before Larry Bird? Oh, Tommy's going to make us look that one up. So five players yeah. picked before Larry Bird. Yeah. And um, great to have you back, Tommy, because I would never have thought of a trivia question that hard. I don't even think you know that's a, no, this I is a I good even, one. I remember the I even year. think you'll Google it and you still won't get it. But uh, this is yeah, a good one. Uh, I just know this. I'm allowed to Google it. You know this because you know everything about Larry Bird. I do. I do. Next, He's my favorite Boston. Next, next week we're going to do. I'm going to. I'm going to take the roster of the 1994 Detroit Pistons and see if you know where they went to college. How about we do that? So I'm very good with the. College I know. Stuff. I know. You're like crazy. I guess. That's all irrelevant stuff, but it's important. It's something to that. Me. It's something that head of yours. You know. Yeah. <laughs> got to got to get that out. So yeah, maybe we'll do that. Jack and I did that one day. I, I think that's one of the programs over the next couple of weeks. We're also going to try to get some of our our guests in the, uh, the 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 cranky four that we used to take around the world. The kids are now all graduate college or in college, whatever you want to call it. So, I miss uh, them, Jim. I'd love to get them in here. We got so we will. So, again, Tommy, thanks. I'm glad to have you back this week. Uh, look for us on the next time. So that's the end of, uh, what is this, episode number six. They still need, really they're good. still letting us in, too. I can't believe it. So for my good friend Thomas Trevisani or Tommy T or Tom Trev or Trev <laughs> or whatever you want to call him, I'm Jim Boyle, and for We've Seen Enough, uh, again, We've Seen Enough. And guess what? We'll see you next week on We've Seen Enough. Thanks for listening to this episode of We've Seen Enough, recorded at WCTV Studios in beautiful downtown Wilmington, Massachusetts. If you'd like to get in touch, offer topics to discuss, or stump us with sports trivia, we can be reached via email at jboyle22 at comcast.net. That's jboyle22 at comcast.net. Along with Tom Trevisani, I'm Jim Boyle. Make sure to tune into the next edition of We've Seen Enough.